Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Brian Joyner and Brett Cowett. Um, guys, what's going on? Um, not much. Football season starting, so we don't have to deal with the frustrating Red Sox. So it's a little bit of a happier day, I guess. Yeah, um, that is certainly a good thing. Um, it's kind of weird that this is the first time that we are going to have on uh, more than one BP Boston person at the same time. Uh, it seems like by f- episode 51, we would have done this already. Well, uh I'm never uh, awake, and uh, Brett is never asleep. So uh, actually only the first one matters in terms of getting people together. But you've gone the smart route and had uh, writers who people care about on the show to uh, pump us up. Very true. And uh, today's episode of The Red Seat is brought to us uh, by Stadium Quest. Stadium Quest is the newest platform to revolutionize the way fans experience a sporting event. With its comprehensive grading scale, Stadium Quest looks to find and highlight what every fan should experience at each venue. Visit StadiumQuest.com to check out our newest review, Fenway Park. Um, I've been there. I like that place. What do you guys think about Fenway? Uh, It's been 15 years since I've been there, so I should probably go back sometime. Wait a minute. It's been... How old were you when you went? Uh, 10. And it's been 15 years? I went in 2002. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
Who pitched? Do you remember? No, I just know the Red Sox lost to the Rangers by like a run, and that was it. How many I, hits I did Shea Hillenbrandt have? Oh, jeez, I don't even know that. I just remember <laughs> I was sitting behind a pair of total townies, and they had like they had Alex. This was when they had Alex Rodriguez, Pudge. And then they had another Rodriguez in the bullpen who was closing for him, I think. I can't remember, for the Rangers. And these two guys in front of me were like, yo, how, how many Rodriguez does it take to lose a game? And he's like, two. And the guy is just, you know, two. It's like, no, Alex Rodriguez, Ivan Rodriguez, and this guy. And they lose in the Red Sox lost. So that was kind of, you know, come up in form. But, hey, it was the most towny experience I think I've ever had, honestly. It's weird. We don't really have townies in the Boston area. It was, I, it was, I was laughing, honestly. I was just like, this is the total, like, city stereotype type of guy you run into. Like the old, like the old guy who just says jokes like that off the top of his head. You know, I brought a friend from New York to my hometown once and we walked into a sports bar. They brought us to a table. This is his first experience ever in Massachusetts. The second we sit down, Nomar hits a double off the wall. And the first thing we hear is this guy go, Attaboy, Nomar! And I was like, there you go, you're here. Was this in Edgartown, Brian? It was in Oak Bluffs, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's get to it. Uh, We're dancing around the meat of why we are all three on here together. And it's, of course, uh, an opportunity for me um, to, first of all, take my name out of the mud. Because uh, for all of you listeners out there, um, Brian just finished recording a podcast in England in which he told all of the listeners uh, across Europe uh, that I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, which is not true, so I want to correct the record for that. Um, And then second of all, uh, Brian over here uh, thinks that Barry Bonds didn't cheat um, and that the home run record of 73 remains untainted. Uh, Brian, give me your argument as to why 73 is the real record uh, for the home runs. First of all, I did not say he did not cheat. That's You're putting words into my mouth, as you have been this whole time. Uh, these are scurrilous accusations. Um, Coming from a muckraker what? like you, that's uh, that's something. High praise. Um, <laughs> you, you you literally asked me, how, how do I think Barry Bonds has the single-season home run record? Um, here's what you should do. You should look at... At baseballreference.com, or really any baseball website, yeah, and look at the record column and look at who's number one for home runs in the season and how many they have. Yep, my I've guess, right my guess, I, my guess is it says Barry Bonds 73 in 2001. That's my guess. It does, yeah, it does. So that, and, and, that, and you know that, what's interesting about that is the top six seasons on there were all within about a three-year span of when all of these known steroid users. Uh, hit tons and tons of home runs. So mm. all the way down on number seven at the list is 61 home runs in 1961 by a guy that has no suspicion of using steroids. Roger oh, he had, an ast- he, he had an asterisk, though. I don't know if you know that. Because what they thought was that his home run record was not legitimate because he did it in one – he did it in eight more games and only hit one more than Babe Ruth – did who by the way played in a segregated league but that counts so that's cool we're just going to keep that we'll ignore all the problems with that that's fine so then we keep maris too because 
he had the asterisk. I don't know. Is it fair that he has to ask us? I don't know. Maybe it's fair. Maybe it's not fair. We'll keep that. We're going to throw away Bonds, though, because we want Giancarlo Stanton to have the record, and we think that cheating, dis, quote, cheating disqualifies the records, despite the fact that if we think lit, if you say six of the however many seasons are the top six, or six of the records, or uh, within a few year span, then we also have to look at the World Series results in those spans and invalidate those if we think people were doping. And so then we get to the 2004 Red Sox. And if you want to go down that road, that's fine. I'm just going to go back home and uh, look at Barry Bonds, the home run record. But if you if you want to just follow your conclusion to any logical end, except for arbitrary endpoint being like, no, Barry Bonds is where we're going to stop it just so Stanton could go after the record. But I'm not going to – we're not going to apply that logic to anything else in baseball history. That's fine, but that's fucking dumb. Let me ask you this, Brian. Did Roger Maris choose the number, number of games that he played that year? Did he have any control over that? Did he pick that? I I wasn't there, but I'm going to guess that he did not. No. But I could, I did, could be wrong. Did Babe Ruth choose to segregate the league? Um, I don't well, know. You're having trouble with that one, so I'll help you out. Yeah. Babe Ruth <laughs> did not choose to segregate the league. What did your, Barry Bonds choose to take steroids? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. That's where my argument is. Okay, but, but what does that have to do with the number of home runs a player has hit in a season in baseball? The, the point is you can argue – in circles up, down, left, and right. My point is that there's always something stupid going on, but the baseball games are played. It's not like, you know, they can vacate Final Four and Tour de France championships all they want. Those games happened. UMass was in the semifinals ages ago. Uh, Those games happened. They can say they didn't happen. That's fine. It doesn't change the fact they happened. Baseball happens. We don't get to pick and choose on what's good and what's not good. But the I think you're missing the point here. I'm not trying no, to I'm say not, I'm not that, missing the point at all. I'm not trying to say that 73 didn't happen. 73 happened. What I'm trying to say is I don't consider 73 to be the real home run record because 73 was gotten by a guy who was a steroid user, clearly a steroid user, and all of the other players that hit more than 61 home runs have been steroid users. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. That's what I'm saying. I don't consider it the record because it's a record that was gotten by cheating. Okay. Do you know that Giancarlo Stanton is not taking steroids? I don't, but I have no reason to suspect oh, to, to okay. suspect that he is taking okay. steroids. Do you, have any, do you have any reason to suspect that Jeff Bagwell was taking steroids? I don't think Jeff Bagwell was ever implicated in taking steroids. Okay, that's interesting. Then why is it? Uh, why is he having? Why did he have so much trouble with Hall of Fame voters? Why? Why do you think that is? When he has a clear Hall of Fame case, I do you think, think he's just being unfairly associated with with if, steroid users? Do you think that's unfair? If people think that he was grouped in with those guys, then yeah, I think it's fair that he is being suspected of taking home uh, steroids and increasing his performance. Okay, well, he, he did play during that era. So, okay. Did he choose to play during that era? He did not. 
Okay, thank you. You want to close the book on this, Brett? Do you want to just give Jake the check? Do you I, want do you use credit or debit? I have to lean with Ryan's side on this because every era in baseball that we compare to the modern era and how we should play the game the right way is just another is just another elaborate statement where we move the goalposts on how a player should have been or what record should be, or what record is real. Like there, like as Brian said, they, you can vacate all these games, but there's nothing about what Bonds did or what McGuire did or Sosa was even close to vacated or even will be that still happened. Those home runs still happen regardless of not they're cheaters. And by MLB's own record keepers, that's still the record. So it's, and it goes back, and it, and I mean, at this point, why not keep the record? It's an argument we have to use with the Hall of Fame as well. Like the Hall of Fame is not who's your best, who are the writers' best buddies. It's supposed to be a, I don't want to say, I guess like a document of history, and the fact that the fact that noted steroid users and ones that were outed through Mitch report or whatever means are getting buffed out to me is almost insulting to baseball's own legacy. So to me, it's just because with baseball and the steroid thing and segregated leagues and just the size of the seasons and everything, I feel it's wrong to start to start really moving the the goalposts and caring about, how different the leagues were at the, at certain point or the rampant steroid use in the nineties, because there was no way you're going to change that. And there's no way you're, there's no way we should change our outlook on that. Like, yeah, steroid use is bad and technically there were cheaters, but those games still happened. Oh, well, hold on. I want to, I want to make a couple points here. Three points, actually. Sorry to interrupt you, but they're all stemming off what you said. Yeah. yeah. First of all, I think there's actually a big dis- dis- distinction here between the Hall of Fame and the um, and the record keeping uh, from, like, say, a Bonds perspective. Yeah. Uh, and that is that I don't give a shit if Barry Bonds is in the Hall of Fame or not, because mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't make one damn bit of difference to what happened. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think if Jake wants to say he should not be in the Hall of Fame, great, it's fine. I think he uh, should be in the Hall of Fame, actually. Okay, there you go. So that's that's amusing. Um, I don't think it's amusing. I think that if you look at where his career was when people he, think that he started taking steroids, he was already a Hall of Famer. That's the, that's the worst thing about Barry Bonds is that Barry Bonds would have been a Hall of Famer and may have gotten this record had he not even taken steroids. He was that kind uh, of a baseball player. Okay, but I mean that's just an alternate history. Uh, that's that's yeah, fun. We're we're talking theoretically here, yeah. aren't we? No, but no, that's that's the point. We're not talking theoretical. Uh, Brett, I forget what my other points were, but I promise you they were good. <laughs> I I don't believe that. But um, so it, let me let me just close it out with this. So Giancarlo Stanton has a legitimate shot at hitting over 61 home runs this year. So if he does that. I'm going to ask Brett this question because I already know what the contrarian is going to say. Brett, would you feel as though Giancarlo Stanton has been robbed of something by not being considered the all-time home run leader over guys like Sosa, Maguire, and Bonds, who there is really not a lot of debate whether or not they did cheat? 
not not really because on its own getting <clears throat> 60 plus homers is a tremendous achievement and if you want like some sort of scandal that's going if you want some sort of scandal to tarnish him this to tarnish him for this year like why not just blame oh it's the juiced ball era i mean which it is yeah <laughs> which by the way it is <laughs> like if you need like i don't think he loses out on anything he's still a damn good player he doesn't need a record to legitimize that but on terms of like being robbed of anything not not really i mean it kind of sucks that he didn't start he didn't start hitting balls a mile every day until like july because if he kept do- if he was doing it at this pace like in may he would have probably he would have probably been at 65 by now but I mean, I don't think he's really been robbed of anything. It's just that's just he's still a really good player. That that and he's probably going to be immortalized in the Hall of Fame at this pace. So I I don't think he's really been robbed of much of anything. Yeah, I also don't know why the contrarian view is that 73 is a higher number than 61. Like that's a really tough <laughs> it's a really tough argument for me to get behind. That's not the argument. I don't know. No, you, that I don't is I don't know if you've argument. been listening, Brian, but that's not the argument. Think- no, your your argument is what you say happened happened, and my argument is what happened happened. No, that's I, the, that's I watched seventy three balls go over the fence. I was alive for those. That's not the argument. But no, it's not. It's not your argument. My argument is that those counted, and first of all, they were awesome. McGuire and Soso were awesome to watch. I remember the thing I was going to say about Brett, the, off Brett. He said, "Oh yeah, we know steroids are bad. Do we? Do we know steroids are bad?" I. Well, well I can Chris, Chris Benoit killed his entire family, um, and okay. he was a known steroid user. So I think that was probably more to do with the concussions. That's I'm just going to go and the day to day of wrestling. I think in, I, I think that, in the frame of baseball trying to legislate its league, I think steroids are bad. But I guess in the 90s you can't explicitly say that because there was no reason to believe it. Because so. the baseball games were awesome and everyone loved watching them. That's true. Um, like that's that's a part I have a lot of problems with, is that it's it's one thing. I mean, maybe Jake didn't like it, but I'm guessing he did. Um, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, more of a pitching guy anyway, so no. So did did you not enjoy the 2000? I mean, are you prepared to admit that you think people in the 2004 Red Sox were on steroids? I think Manny was. Oh, okay. he's. Yeah, but he was on the 2004 Red Sox, right? Yep. But I don't they, think that takes away from what the team did as a whole. When it's an I, individual I, I, record, that's a different thing to me than a team championship. Uh, well, that's very convenient for this argument. Do you that's think what it was Manny? What if more than half the team was on steroids? Do you think half the team was on steroids? No, I don't. Okay. I would almost, I would probably politely disagree with you there. That's fine. It's a team championship. You can't take away team championships. You can't take away this record either. I'm just saying that it's an individual thing. We know that this thing happened. We know that this thing happened. Why can you take take individual uh, championships but not team? Brian, it's much easier to prove that an individual did something than it is 25 guys or 40 guys. We haven't proven anything. We've just taken it as a fact, but you've not proven anything. Okay, Nobody. Well, Maguire admitted it. Okay. Is he Barry Bonds? He is not Barry Bonds. But Barry uh-huh. Bonds has been tied up in a very public scandal and did things that are not fair. 
Barry Bonds did to the game of baseball the equivalent of playing Doom with the God mode on. Uh, it, no. He just the equivalent he, of Wilt Chamberlain scoring 100 points in a game, which fucking happened. No, this guy did something that was beyond Wilt Chamberlain's 100 points. This he did this in 476 plate appearances yes, in a I'm ballpark a that no one's ever hit 40 they home runs, not named him. Home runs against a bunch of dinky white guys who were fucking couldn't get out of their own slap dick way. But that's <laughs> like, why is one fine and the yeah. other not fine? Uh, that's like they, we're talking the, two different sports, man. Part of what part of what makes baseball attractive no. to people is the fact that baseball does have its hallowed records. In that baseball, what attracts a lot of people to baseball not is their hallowed, stats they're and records. They're not hallowed; they're just records. But to a lot of people, they are. To you, they're not. But to a lot of people, they are. That's they, one of the most attractive things about baseball no, to people is following these great about, records. You're talking about yourself. I'm not talking, talking about myself. It's a big deal when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record. That was a big deal. Things like this are a big deal, Brian. They're yes, a big I, deal to a lot of baseball fans. Yes, I understand they're a big deal to fans. It would, I would <laughs> That's why I'm baffled that you saw the best hitter you ever saw and your reaction was to say – well, that's terrible. I wish I'm going to pretend like that never happened. I didn't say that's, that was terrible. I just wish that he would have done it clean. That's I'm uh, like that and three bucks will get you on the subway. But man, the record is the record. It's not like every time someone gets close to 62, we're going to relitigate this. This is the exact same thing happened with Maris. And this is the whole pro. This is the problem. The asterisk for Maris was the problem because if we never talked about the asterisk for Maris, we would, with every other fucking record we have, just be like, oh, yeah, that's the record. Like, no one's arguing that Barry Bonds doesn't have the most home runs of all time. If someone gets – someone passes Hank Aaron, they're just going to be like, oh, okay, yep, they're the real home run leader, and you're going to sign off on their entire career being clean? That seems specious. It seems very difficult. The, any leap of logic from what you're saying is just untenable. You're just on this island saying, this is this one case that I'm saying is right because people find it hallowed, not just me. I think it's you. I think that's fine. But don't try to tell me 61 is more than 73 or that that's not the issue. That's the issue. We're talking about the record. The record. The record is 73. That's the record. I'm not going to debate what the record is, and I'll just say this. Um, I think that – You just spent the entire podcast debating that. No, I, 73 is the number, but 73 was done in my eyes by a known cheater. And I think that it is irresponsible to ignore the fact that basically from the late 70s through when – Major League Baseball started really testing players in 2003 that we didn't start seeing this trend towards numbers going completely bananas, which also, kind you of pressed Steroids were not against the rules in MLB till much later on in the no, steroid they weren't. That You're right. They were against the rules of the United States of America. Yeah. You're, okay. you're absolutely oh, right. So but, they never sped on the way to the game? That's, oh, my God. That is I don't equate speeding to doing steroids that's a ridiculous argument they're athletes they do these I'm, I'm not saying that they don't i'm just saying that contextually this factor i believe 
could influence performance like this more than probably any other factor that you could introduce. Balls were hit much harder than they ever were. And Barry Bonds was pre pretty naturally gifted to be able to make contact with these balls. And that was still an amazing skill to have. But I still think that he wouldn't have done anything close to this had he not been on steroids. That's all I'm saying. Do you think Stanton would be close to this if the balls weren't flying out of the stadium? Yes. Have you seen Giancarlo Stanton? He's the only person I've ever seen stand next to the rock and look like a normal-sized person. Well, he looks smaller than Aaron Judge, so you better revise that statement. That's, but he's not exactly a rookie. He's not, like He's been around. I've seen him not do this for a huge portion, for 95% of his career. So, yes, I've seen him. All right. Well, I don't think we're going to get to a consensus here, Brett. Uh, what do you say we move on to the uh, Red Sox? Because that is, after all, yeah. what this podcast is yeah, about. Well, I've just, I've just been sitting here and thinking that's, and every time <laughs> Brian says something about a slapdick pitcher not getting out of his way, I can't help but laugh. So. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the Red Sox and how they're hitting another frustrating low, please. Well, they're not hitting a frustrating low, right? I mean, they won two games in a row. It's true, true, but then we're talking about the Toronto Blue Jays, and they still got they still got their shit kicked in the first game, and that was and like they were still reeling from from uh, coming back from New York which they had a Sunday night game and had to come back, which affected them apparently. And if we just cut it off before yesterday's game, they had lost eight of their last 12. And their offense just, they had no, they have no right-handed power, which is frustrating. So every time there's a left-handed pitcher up there, they look almost feeble other than Eduardo Nunez. And their best power hitters are all left-handed. And the best right-handed power they have is... Hanley Ramirez, and he hasn't really shown up at all this year. So the pitching, the pitching's been fine. The bullpen did admirable in that 19-inning game, but it's just the hitting is so up and down. It's frustrating to watch this team sometimes. Yeah, the the offense has big issues. Um, I'm looking at uh, their offense right now as a team, and. Mm -hmm. Uh, slugging percentage-wise, I'm sorting it by slugging percentage. The Red Sox are 26th out of 30 teams uh, in baseball right now. Mookie Betts is not himself. We talked about that last week on the podcast with Alex Spear. Um, Xander's clearly hurt. Um, offense is going to be an issue for this club going forward. And I just want to gauge from both of you guys kind of what you're concerned this level is, uh, level of concern about this offense in a playoff series, especially against any number of the teams that they could play, like the Astros, who strengthened their rotation with Verlander, um, you know, Cleveland. Obviously, I don't have to talk about their rotation, but, I mean, how big a problem is this? It's. I mean, go ahead, bro. I think it's a problem until unless they get hot. Because if this team is hitting like crazy, then it's, not, like, on its peaks, like, what was it, the early part of August – then it's not a problem because they're hitting everything and everything is going over the fence somehow. But if they're going to be in this swoon for the entire month and back into the playoffs with an offense that 
just seems punchless, then it becomes a big problem because then they're just going to have to scrape for runs against teams with far better pitchers than the Toronto Blue Jays and their 40-man roster made up of pitchers primarily from the Buffalo Bisons. Buffalo Bisons, huh? I wasn't yeah, that expecting was... that name drop. <laughs> <laughs> that That's what they faced in that 19-inning game for right. majority of the game. And, they took, and it took them a Mookie double that barely got over Carrera's glove and a bloop single from Hanley Ramirez to win. So it was just... It was a win, but it was a frustrating win, and it's it's better than a frustrating loss. But still, it, you're just kind of like that's all you that's all you had. That's that's all you could do. So yeah, no, it, it was super frustrating to watch, and I did not stay up till the 19th inning. I hope you didn't either, Brett. <laughs> it's, it's not an issue for me staying up for a 19th inning on an East Coast game. I went to the 19th inning, the 19 inning game into the in 2014 where we lost in the Albert Pujols home run. That was the frustrating one. <laughs> so I did have some flashbacks to that, but at least the Red Sox won this one. Brian, where do you stand on the offense? Not worried. Not worried um, at all? No, because my whole thing this year has been to just accept this team for what it is, which is good, but good in specific ways, and then – sort of good on a uh, time from time to time on another and you know the team couldn't hit at all in uh what was it july but they hit well in august and now they can't hit again it's just a matter of them hitting at the right time but you know the 19 inning game i obviously i was gone by the third but the um you want a napkin all right here you go um the 19 inning game I I can't imagine being more frustrated watching it but the bullpen did last until the 19th inning and the playoffs are shorter and teams like the Red Sox have gotten hot and been good in the playoffs because if the, as Brett said if they hit it all uh, they're going to be a force to reckon with and I can't do anything about it the only thing I'll say is that every time uh, for the most part, every t- time this team has trended too far in either direction, uh, being something better than just above average uh, to, you know, if they've ever been good or terrible, they always, except for the 10-game winning streak, they, they've tended to snap back, which is why even after the losses to the Yankees, it's trying not to panic. It is scary because you don't think that they're always going to snap back, but they always have. So, and I think part of the reason is that when your your bullpen is that strong and your pitching is generally strong, uh, you are resilient. So I, I think they're resilient. Uh, so I'm not worried. That's fair. Honestly, this is a team that's based on their pitching. And it's sometimes it's frustrating because the pitching does not score runs. It's really good pitching. It sails probably the Cy Young winner. But I wouldn't count that yet. Kluber's bearing down on him like a freight train. The thing is with Kluber is that I think I put this in my article a few days ago. He has a month where he provided absolutely zero value. And apart from baseball reference, thinking he's a full win above sale, that's we're comparing five months of pitching to sale still going and striking out more guys per striking out more guys per 
it's and like both baseball reference and fangraphs have him clearly past Kluber. So it's that's just a frustrating argument in itself, and it doesn't really help that every time Sale gets blown up, especially lately, it's it's been against the Yankees and the Indians, like two guys you are probably going to face in the postseason or will be postseason bound anyway. Well, so, the only thing I'll say to that is like it makes sense because they're good. Yeah, like but um, but it's going to be like there's always going to be more focus on those games because it's two playoff contenders going at each other especially with the Yankees because it's one, it's a rivalry and two, these guys, the rivalry is fun again because these teams are good. They're going to go after each other all the time. Like you have Sonny Gray, you have the new acquisition, Sonny Gray, and then you have Chris Sale and all that stuff together. And it's going to, his blowups are going to be more publicized and just more, oh God. I don't, hold on. He may not have any more blowups though. And if he doesn't from here on out, I think he's safe no matter what Kluber does. I would agree Partially, with that. Partially because Kluber has won one and Chris Sale does not have one. And I think that that does play into at least a couple people's mind. And if it's close, it might come down to that. The big market narrative helps Chris Sale too now, though, being in Boston. We saw that work a little bit with Porcello last year. Um, so I, I, oh, I think Porcello was more about the wins. I, don't, I think people would be more inclined to vote against the Red Sox at this point. Oh, I totally disagree. I, I think that there's just so much more coverage in this market than there is – I mean, just look at the number of national games that the Red Sox get versus teams like the Indians and the Tigers. Um, right, but that's not who votes on it. The people who vote on it sure. are mostly local people. That's why it would worry. That's the only reason I'd be worried that there might be an anti-sale effect. But I think it sales to lose. Yeah. I, is, if he's good from here on out, he's safe. Totally safe. Yeah. The thing is with sales that almost any game, he's going to like give you – six scoreless innings like you can almost expect that half the time he is that good and i think where would where i put this like i don't think kluber has had a scoreless outing since late june like he gives up like one run but he locks down but it's usually like a home run it's something almost absurdly almost absurdly like crazy like a long home run and that's it so if sale has a couple more shutout outings with and reaches 300 strikeouts, I think it's a lock. There's no reason that Kluber should be even close at that point. Yeah, I think 300 strikeouts is going to be pretty hard to sneeze at. Yeah. Like, I, what was it? Uh, 20, I think Kluber's 20 innings behind, but he's 50 strikeouts behind, too. It's He's going to have to pitch better than Craig Kimbrell does to even get close to that rate. So Possible. If he plays the Blue Jays every time from here on out. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, I mean, he's AL Central, so we don't know. So let me tell you one thing that I looked up while you guys were chatting a little bit. I looked up um, team pitching and team hitting for all of the current teams that are in the playoffs right now. And uh, I found out that the Dodgers, the Indians, the Nationals, the Cubs, and the Yankees are all in the top ten in offense and starting pitching um, in baseball right now. The Astros are number one in offense and just barely missed the cut at 11th um, in pitching. The Red Sox are much more similar, at least statistically wise, um, to the Rockies in how extreme they are. Um, well, okay. the, the, the Rockies are extreme in both. But the Red Sox are number four in ERA as a team 
and they're all the way down at number 26 in terms of weighted runs created plus. So the Red Sox do have a concerning um, sort of trend going on there that the other playoff locks right now in the American League and the National League don't seem to have. Um, and I do think I do think there's something to that. Well, yeah, I mean, we all like we'd all rather have David Ortiz, but um, <laughs> but we just this is this is it. Like this is the people they have to go into the games with. That's the only reason I'm not like worried about it is I'm like, what, what are they going to do? You know, they got their players. They just got to go play. Yeah. The only way they're going to the only the only change is going to happen is going to be the offseason now. They can't go out and like get Justin Upton and have him hit now, but it's I mean, there's been teams have won World Series on an offense that an like worse offenses. I mean, just look at the 2010 Giants. They were carried again they were carried by Cody Ross hitting home runs against the two best Philly starters. And then Juan Uribe hit a go-ahead homer in Game Six to put him into the World Series. So, and the, and then you get to the World Series, you have Edgar Renteria somehow smacking a home run in Texas. I mean, there's been worse offenses to win, and I think the Red Sox have a really good pitching staff. I mean, everybody they have, can, everybody they have. Well, I still don't trust Matt Barnes. He's kind of far out, but is honestly usable in almost any situation Carson Smith's back he's pitching his slider works so the pitching at least will give them a high enough floor to compete with anybody they face it's up to the hitting to see how far they'll go I really think that the problem uh, insofar as there is one where they're in first place by four games is that uh this is just we're not used to this type of team in the playoffs um and I think that's what Brett's getting at. It's a very NL-style team. Uh, so I, I've seen it be successful. I haven't seen us be successful this way. But I'm, you know, again, there's nothing we can do. But I do think we have enough talent. It's not probable uh, that we win the World Series. But it's never probable. And uh, they can win the division, get their rotation set up. They've got a good chance to do some damage if they can hit the white ball with the wood stick (laughs) yeah i I mean i i think that right now um i get where you guys are coming from like this is it this is the team that that we have and it's a very good team and there's a whole lot of complaining and moaning that's been done about this team throughout the year bottom line is that they're a very good defensive club they're a very good pitching club we've talked about that but i think it is worth mentioning their limitations and if and if i'm looking at it from a fair perspective oh, and i a think they're fair i think it's, they're good i don't think they're very good i think they're good yeah they're they're acceptably good i think is what brian's looking for because they're good they're good enough to make us watch and have us like get into the playoffs but they're not like overwhelmingly good like the 2013 and 20 and uh, 2007 ones were I'm just Those not even two. convinced that they're better than the Yankees, even though they're ahead of the Yankees in the division right now. I, I think that they're a step below the Indians. I think that you could make an argument that they're a step below the Astros. And I think I think the Yankees are a more complete ball club at this point than the Red Sox are. The thing is with the Yankees, they need to win games other than against the Red Sox. And they were, what, I think 10-8 and eight in this season series against the Red Sox? 
and they're yeah. still behind by three and a half games. I think four games the... now because of the Reno. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. And the thing is, if they might be better than the Red Sox, sure, but they're gonna have to get to the AL. But with how the seeding is gonna shape up, they're gonna have to get to the ALCS to prove that. Right. And I don't, and I don't see them beating either the Astros or the Indians in any sort of way. Unless, like, two of them get absolutely red-hot again and Greg Bird's revival comes with a Babe Ruth impression. I mean, so, I know that the Indians haven't lost since, like, yeah, June, but the last time we went to Cleveland, we swept them there, correct? I no, think we, we lost. split. No, we split. Oh, we split. Yeah, that's right. We split. Okay, right, right, right. Yep, they, they won and, the two, the middle two, and they remember it was Fister that won, Sale lost out there. <laughs> it was a bizarre – well, I guess we shouldn't count Fister winning as bizarre anymore. Um, but, yeah, I'm, it, it, they, they split, which was yeah, good. That, I mean, you go out to Cleveland and split, that's fine. I think the Red Sox won the season series by a game. But, yeah, they split, and Fister's start, that complete game was the most ridiculous pitching – Starting pitching thing I think I've seen since Aaron Cook's Maddox in 2012. That was crazy. That, I literally still watched refused the first that that at bat. I watched the first at bat and I'm like, this is gonna be long, and I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. He, well, and I, I woke up at like 10:30, which I know it's insane. That, that's when I woke up, and I looked at my phone. I'm like, God, what's the score now? And I'm like, that that cannot be right. That cannot be right. <laughs> Oh, it's that was it was just so strange. I, I refuse to believe that Cook complete game shutout happened, and then Fister did that, and apparently he's back now. He's got he. I think Jeff Sullivan had an article on Fangraphs today, where he's changed his mechanics, and all of a sudden things have more bite, and he has more velocity now. So yeah, he was striking guys out like it was nothing. He was snapping off those third strike fastballs. It's like the 2013 Doug Fister that we were scared of seeing him in Game Four in the ALCS because he were, he's going to be oh no he's going to get like six innings with like ten strikeouts against the Red Sox. It's that kind of Fister again. It's crazy. He's your third playoff starter. I'm telling you. Yeah, that's the scary part. Like I, I think I'm with Chris Teeter and what he wrote today about Price going to the bullpen. Oh yeah. Because because you're not really going to trust him was starting if he can't get a couple starts in before the season ends. And what a and so weapon I think, he could be for multiple innings, too. I think he, I think he'd actually be all right in a bullpen. I mean, we saw what Pomerantz did. I mean, uh, it was like what five, six innings, but he did fine. He, he did accept, he did acceptably well. So I don't think it's a bad thing that they have to add to their already getting pretty stacked bullpen already. You have David Price in there. That could be fun. Honestly, that's I. No, oh, but Chris Teeter better watch his back, saying David Price moved to the bullpen. <laughs> Woo! Oh my God. Might be rough in the clubhouse for him. Mm-hmm. Um. So before we wrap up the show, because we only have a few minutes here left, um, I was wondering if you guys wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the juicy little morsel that came out about Mookie Betts that people are going to be overreacting to. I have not heard this. I don't think. What's been the? Uh, I think what's been you the... have heard this. I think I saw you tweeting about this. Which one was this? This is the little morsel about him uh, rejecting a multi-year offer from the Red Sox. Well, was this recently, or was it at the beginning of the season? 
Because I know he did that at the beginning of the season. He didn't want to go into negotiations, and I think he outright uh, rejected a deal. Maybe I'm putting someone else's timeline as your timeline? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I don't I don't remember talking about this one, but he's smart. I mean, as a guy who – as a person, I should probably specify it's myself. As someone who – will always will always like support the players it's this is smart of him to do i agree because in the end in the end the red sox the red sox are gonna pay him there's no way they can get rid of mookie bets even if he hits like he is this year he's still in the yeah, you know you know it'd be smarter hitting the ball yeah that would be smarter he'd get more money that way but even if he doesn't even hit like he did last year which i don't know if he'll ever reach that again he might get close but um he's still an extremely valuable player he's an incredible right fielder and waiting, pushing away contract offers until you get into your R beers and you're pushing free agency is obviously the smartest move. It's you're gonna that's how you get more money and you won't get undercut. So yeah, you're totally right. There's no there's nothing to react to here. I just wanted to know if you guys thought that anybody would react negatively to this if there's any truth to it. Um, the loyal people. It's, I mean, after the Isaiah Thomas trade, I don't know why there'd be any people who would go on about loyalty in the Boston area anymore. There, there, in sports, there is none. Someone I mean, you have tell to tell that to Rudy Gobert. Oh, seriously though, Jesus. <laughs> it's there's there's no like if you're gonna have to basically be your own market yourself as a player and say, look, I'm the best, pay me like the best. Then you can't short. Then you can't shortchange yourself and like dabble into loyalty. I mean, Pedro, you have Pedroia taking what they said was a hometown discount, but the dude still got paid over a hundred million. That's a ton of money. So, yeah, it just get your money, Mookie. That's all I'm saying. Just do what you need to do. Ryan, any oh. any uh, any thoughts on this? No, but I, I, I have two more thoughts if we're winding down that I want to share. Yeah, let's go oh. for it. One, I've, even while I was frothing at the mouth, I've been holding my uh, 11 weeks on the entire time. Um, Dad and, of the and, year right there. And, and, and two, as exhilarating as that was, I want to squash squash the beef because I don't want to have beef with Jake. That was that was fun and angry, but I, I don't, you know, that's not, that's not how I'm living my life. Well, it was entertaining. I'll say that I wanted to be a moderator, but you guys went to so you guys went off on so many different tangents. I only could laugh and listen. <laughs> I never thought there was a real beef. Anyway, I just like to uh, engage in in good debate, such is my right in this democracy. Uh, for now, <laughs> that's that's fair. I mean, it's not. It's a it's an interesting discussion, and it definitely talk. It definitely like references how baseball was in the past compared to how it, was, how it is now. And I think I think that predicates an argument as to how the juice balls now will be looked at in the future. So there's there's definitely that type of discussion that needs to be had and it's the definite and it's definitely definitely uh, a thing about traditional sentiments with the whole steroid thing. And Brian's thing about how it's it's already happened. It's already concrete. So there's definitely a debate there that's probably going to be raging until the end of time. And well, I think that's part of the pastime. Like, it's part of 
this this type of argument is part of baseball being nas- the national pastime because yeah. like talk about nba numbers and nfl numbers but like who gives a shit <laughs> like, yeah, the game no changed nope. the game changed nobody cares so like i i understand how jake who is a <clears throat> otherwise smart and thoughtful person um <laughs> Would, would not only believe this, but like you sincerely believe it and it's not in bad faith. And I, I don't, I, I'm not, and I'm not trying to have my agreement in bad faith either. So it's like you're not, this is not argument for the sake of arguments, arguing because we believe these two things, but they can coexist. Right. And I think that in this particular case, um, Brian being a former newsman and me being a historian um, does not help but strengthens our positions in our arguments uh, to make them even more uh, sort of solid in where we stand on these particular things. So um, I can't help it. I'm always looking at historical context when it comes to stuff. It's just kind of my natural way. We got to wrap up because I'm getting mad again. Let's wrap this up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, let's wrap it up then. Um, For all of you guys out there who enjoyed the podcast, you can listen to this uh, podcast by subscribing to our iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, You can rate and review us there. You can also uh, follow Brian Joyner on Twitter at at Brian Joyner. You can follow Brett on Twitter at at B.A. Cowett. And you can follow myself on Twitter at Dev Jake. We will be with you at a similar time next week. I don't say the same time because, you know, we never predict these things. And we will be less angry next time or uh, divisive. So um, thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Say Jake's butthead. Say it. (laughs) Say Jake's butthead. Jake's butthead. Yes. That's 100% Uh, making it into the podcast.